Rogers Business App Market brings together the right apps for your business and wraps it all up with Rogers world-class support. Microsoft Office 365 makes it easy. Whether you need to securely store and backup files, access or share documents in the cloud, collaborate with your team or manage your business from anywhere and on any device. Plus, with support from Rogers, you'll get everything up and running quickly. To learn more, visit rogers.com forward slash business apps. Scotiabank understands that business is personal and your business has unique needs. That's why we offer flexible solutions for your business banking. Create your own business banking package that works for you by opening an account online in minutes with ease and start saving today. Visit scotiabank.com forward slash small business to get started. Sharing the journey of real Canadian changemakers and the impact they have on the world we live in. It's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada podcast. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across Canada. With day in the life stories and in their shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale up companies and those driving the entrepreneurial movement. The Startup Canada podcast show is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. If you are a regular show listener, welcome back. If you're new to the program, hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes and Google Play Music and visit startupcan.ca to connect with both your local startup community and to join Startup Canada to access training, resources, and a peer network to grow your success. I'm Rivers Corbett and entrepreneurship is part of my DNA. Whether it's building my own companies or helping other entrepreneurs, build theirs. This is my lane. Want to connect after the podcast? You can find me at www.meetrivers.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast show. We are in for a special treat today because we have, yes, and I know I know him because I have met him and talked to him face to face. He won't like this, but we like to call him a Canadian icon. Oh, oh, I know. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And also a great friend of Startup Canada. Bruce Croxon is one of the most sought out mentors and investors among inspectors aspiring entrepreneurs in Canada as he regularly shares the wisdom from having founded Lava Life, an early tech startup that was sold for $180 million. That's right, you heard it in 2004. And having interacted with numerous business cases on CBC's Dragon's Den as the featured dragon. Bruce Croxon currently co-hosts The Disruptors on BNN and CTV and as the managing partner helms Round 13 Capital where he invests millions of dollars in the next wave of Canadian tech growth stage company. In 2017, Bruce and Round Capital 13 raised $90 million funds for Canadian growth startups in that process. On today's podcast, we're going to be talking to Bruce and about why it's precisely our time to shine in the Canadian tech industry. Bruce, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast show. 
Oh, thanks very much for having me, Rivers. Very happy to be here. Well, thank you. And I want to I want to uh, touch on something we had in just our our, our little preamble. And uh, you know, I was uh, fortunate enough to be part of Startup Canada Day on the Hill. You were there, uh, participating, uh, engaging with the audience. And I just uh, you know I I want to do a, a shout out, a commercial, if I could, for your views on what Startup Canada is doing and the importance of work they're doing and why we need to continue to support it. Well, you know, the first thing they bring is an incredible energy to the Canadian tech scene. And they don't they don't bias to stage of business development. I think that that it's a very uh, critical organization for bringing everybody together. So if you looked around that hall um, that we were that they were hosting the event at, you saw, you know, second, third time entrepreneurs, you saw our our best venture capitalists, you saw a lot of aspiring young entrepreneurs. And and the place was also full of coaches and mentors. So Mm. government was there too, which we have to include in the conversation. And hopefully we'll get a chance to speak about that. Sure. But you know, my point is that without everybody uh, you know, basically being in the same boat and, and rowing the same way, um, we're not going to be able to take maximum advantage of the opportunity that's, that's before us. We really do need all hands on deck. And I think Startup Canada is a very good vehicle for pulling people together and supporting the ecosystem. Yeah, I, I, I love when I'm coaching entrepreneurs, <clears throat> excuse me, to reference business teams as we're all just spokes in the wheel. Equally as important, if one spoke breaks, it affects the entire wheel. And so I love the fact that you're, you, you reference that inclusion of everybody. And you talked about government and you said, hopefully we're going to talk about it. Let's get into it. What's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm seeing through, I, I I was fortunate enough to be a founding board member of Startup Canada. So I've seen, you know, the growth and how government in particular has really come to the table more and more each and every year. Um, are you seeing that? What are the gaps you're seeing? What what can government do more to play in the field? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. Uh, and, you know, th- th- this particular government, I think, has been very vocal about supporting innovation. And I think it goes into a bigger picture that, you know, I really do believe we'll look back at this time in Canadian history and recognize it as a time where Canada potentially shifted from a resource-based mm. economy to a knowledge-based one. So, you know, that's part of part of the 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 that this is our time conversation you know it really is our time um and they've 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 done the right things in terms of talking about innovation and 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 showing up at events and putting some money into the early stage technology ecosystem right you know the 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 recent uh noise in the late summer around the tax changes uh, when you dove into them, uh, were not going to be helpful mm-hmm. to the agenda in terms of promoting tech entrepreneurship. So that 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 has been sort of stepped back from. I think the tech community got together amongst other communities and said, "Hey, you know what? You're doing the right right thing on the right hand, but on yeah. the left hand, you're you're sort of making it very difficult for entrepreneurs to to reinvest back in each other." 
um, let's step back and have a, a harder look at that. And I think they're in the process of doing that now. So I'm very anxious to see where yeah. that all comes out. Yeah. It was like, a, it, it was kind of like the, the punch in the nose they didn't expect was going to come and they, they, they really uh, have listened to it. So I'm pleased to see that. I know that, uh, that the minister of small business and tourism has been a con- consistent supporter of what it is we're doing. Actually, I never liked that. I mean, what are you, what are you combining small business and tourism together in the same portfolio? under a minister yeah. makes no sense to me but uh anyway you know i think that i think there's some uh, some cool things happening with that bruce take us through your journey with lava life and and uh, you know i i, I particularly w- i want to talk about uh, uh your journey as an entrepreneur with that pain point you know it's all about the pain point or the pleasure point in this case i guess the uh, with what sure. it is that you were doing take us well, through it's, your it's journey never all, it's never all pleasure i can tell you that <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. it was uh, <laughs> It was a 15-year overnight success story, yeah, right and like like I tell you know every entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur, if you think that the story, I mean, it's tempting to to, to put it to, to talk about it in historical terms and say, yeah, it was all up to the right and and easy, mm. but you know, as every entrepreneur knows, yourself included you know, it is anything but right. And it's a, you know, it was was a 15 years of ups and downs and 51% of the time we were doing the right thing. And 49% of the time we were taking it in the teeth and Mm. 2% that makes net two. And we were growing sometimes net two a day, sometimes net two a month, but we were always sort of moving forward. So, you know, I, it it was, uh, I think typical of a tech startup in that, um, you know, we worked very, very hard. Uh, we we were successful in developing a culture that people wanted to work for and with. Yes, uh, we were very good at ha- at hanging on to key employees. Everybody got a piece of the uh, nice. of the equity, so we were all again, you know, rowing the same way. Yes, um, and at the end of the day, it you know it turned out to be a a, a successful Canadian outcome could have been a lot bigger. Um, you know, I know at looking back, I, I, uh, I, you know, we were leading the world arguably, what, uh, as one of the, if you know, one of, if not the first social network in the world. So yes. we were really right there. Uh, and we got distracted a little bit in some projects that didn't go the way they could have. Yes. Should have been a billion dollar company. We topped out at a hundred million, but you know, I mean, I, I, I look back and I see exactly where we went right where we should have got gone left. And at the end of the day, we had a, a successful outcome. And I think the thing I'm most proud of is that, you know, the success of that brand and the attention that it garnered, I think provided a really good platform for other Canadian tech companies mm-hmm. to be spawned from, and obviously it, it, it garnered me my share of attention, and and sure. which led to the Dragons Den, and I think you know led to me staying in the ecosystem and wanting to reinvest back in it. So I think there was a lot of positive uh, spinoff from the success of that company. Uh, it showed that we could pioneer uh, a category. And it showed and gave me the confidence in the people, I think, around me that, you know, we could hold our own with anyone in the world. And and we're seeing more and more of that attitude, you know, uh, amongst this generation of Canadian entrepreneurs. We're, we're, we're not as I'm talking about the generation after me. But yes. <laughs> we're, not, we're not as inti- they're not as intimidated. Yeah. You know, they, they've seen that, you know, when you see a company like Shopify own the own the own the space. 
you know, arguably as the as the premier e-commerce uh, enabler in the world. I think that's confidence inspiring and confidence is a big part of of what you need in order to to take on the competition and, and own your space. So I've seen a natural build since, you know, we started that company in the late 80s. And as you mentioned, exited in 2004. And I've been in the, the ecosystem uh, ever since. I've had the, you know, I've had the odd break where I've stepped back and, and had a look from afar, but I've seen nothing but progress. And mm. to me, it's all culminated with the time that we're in right here, right now, where we have the best engineers in the world and everybody knows it. You know, Google, Amazon, Microsoft, they're all up here looking for our best and brightest. And, you know, the recent, uh, uh, press around Amazon looking for another headquarters and, mm-hmm. and people, the debate raging as to whether that's a good thing or a bad thing for the ecosystem. Well, I think it would would have been a bad thing mm-hmm. to have Amazon set up here because those mm-hmm. are engineering jobs that right. we could be using to build our own Amazon, right? Yeah. And I know that sounds ambitious, but I really do think the stars are lining up and you're going to see a lot happening over the next 18 months that are going to add to the confidence as we see Canadian companies reaching notoriety. So, you know, I, I, I was not in favor of, of, uh, of, of Amazon picking Toronto, as tempting as that might have been. Um, you know, we, we have the best engineers in the world. We've got second and third time entrepreneurs now coming back into the system to mentor and they're investing as long as the, the, the tax changes allow them to continue to invest very important. Right. Um, and, you know, and, and the money's starting to flow, you know, the institutions are finally opening their doors, some of the pension funds and, and the banks to support uh, growth stage technology, which is something they hadn't been doing since the bubble in 2000, mm-hmm. the last time a lot of those players were in. Mm-hmm. So in, in so many ways, the stars are aligning. And I think we're, uh, we're at the beginning, you know, sort of maybe call it inning two or three of a nine inning game uh, that I think we can, uh. we have the potential to swing way above our weight. You know, don't forget it's a, population of 33 million. It's the size of California, right? So when when you and I talk about everybody being on board and the job that Startup Canada is doing, there's a reason for that. Because if we're not all rowing the same way, there's not enough of us to be going off in different directions, right? Yeah, yeah totally. You really have to pull together. So you, uh, you've referenced uh, one word about three or four times in in this this conversation so far. It's the word confidence. Um, how does you know with Lava Life or the other companies that you're investing in? Uh, how do you how do you instill maintain and and I guess deepen the level of confidence in the team that you're going in the right direction when as you referenced before you know we had 51% doing right 49% you know not doing so right how do you keep the team confident that you're going in the right direction for the benefit of the customer obviously but also themselves yeah, that's a that's a very very good question, uh, you know, and, and it's and it's a daily. I, I would say it's a daily chore, but for me, it comes from creating what I call a performance management culture, right? Mm-hmm. Where you sit down at the start of every year, 
and you say, look, you, you ask the team and you, you, you turn to them and you say, look, in the context of where we know this company, we'd like this company to be in the next three years. Mm-hmm. What do we have to get done this year in order to propel ourselves to that vision? And that that would cover everything from your basic sales growth to, you know, depending on the business, how many leads you need into the top of the funnel, how many and what type of people you need to hire, what kind of systems you need to put mm-hmm. in place in internally and you sit down and you say look that's our goals for the year mm-hmm. and when you hit them you recognize the fact that you hit them right and you reward people accordingly and you celebrate the success mm-hmm. right i mean it's very very tempting to uh you know be hard on yourself for that 49% of the yeah. time when yeah. it didn't go right but yeah. you also have to recognize when when you achieve something Right. You know, and I have a tremendous amount. Uh, I, I come from a, a DNA where I I have a tremendous amount of respect for any entrepreneur that by his or her own effort can go and put food on their own table. Right. Mm-hmm. By, by doing, you know, whatever it is that they do. So hats off to you for just getting out the door and making something <laughs> happen. Mm-hmm. Heaven forbid when you get a customer for 10 <laughs> that actually uh, likes and endorses with their money what it is that you're offering. Hallelujah. So many people don't get to that stage. And then, you know, when you when you hit your first million in sales and 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 the the 100 customers that were responsible for that didn't leak out the bottom of the funnel. Right. And and uh, never to return. That's a cause for celebration. So I just, I think we have to recognize when we do something right. I think we have to reward our people accordingly. Mm -hmm. I'm not a big fan of, you know, uh, hiring people for as less, the least amount of money as you can and driving them into the ground. I Mm -hmm. think success should be shared. Mm -hmm. And over time, I think if you recognize enough victories and celebrate them, mm-hmm. um, confidence will follow. Love it. Yeah, you, you just you, you took me down a little memory lane when you said the fifty one percent. I remember when I was taking my commerce degree at Mount Allison University. Oh, I, don't I tell got, me that was your mark. Was that your mark? <laughs> no, no, that was. I got fifty one as the final mark in the course, and you're freaking right. I celebrated. Oh, yeah, no, <laughs> it was brilliant. And here's the thing about it. I, I, I the reason I got fifty one percent is because I, I got fourteen out of fifteen on participation. Oh, there <laughs> So it was brilliant. Um, Someone trying to tell you what you should be doing for a career right there. Yeah, that's right. Doing the podcast. (laughs) Bruce, uh, I I know that you have been talked till the proverbial moon and back about your journey with the dragons. And, uh, I, 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 I want to maybe ask you a question that you don't typically get asked, uh, with that journey. And, and by the way, a big fan when you're on there and, uh, you really handled yourself professionally and, and in a way that was still entertaining and engaging. So, uh, you know, for those years you were there, uh, you did a great job from my perspective. Um, I wanted to ask you what goes through someone's head when they get the call or the email, we'd like you to be on the dragon stand as one of the dragons. Oh my goodness. Um, well, I, I could, I, I, I could talk from my own perspective. Mm, uh, that's what, that's I what was, I'm interested in your perspective. Yeah, Sorry, I, yeah. I was, uh, 
you know, they, I, I had, they had reached out to me really early in the process, I think year one or two. Um, right. and it was really because of the, I think how much Lava Life as a brand swung above its weight. You know, mm-hmm. as I said, we, we never got above a hundred million in sales, but everybody in Canada, certainly, and, and a lot of the large urban centers in the U S and, uh, you know, knew the brand, right. So, yes. you know, the brand was kind of my entry into the invitation, but I didn't have a really good reason to go on the show. So, um, I, I did not pursue it at that time. Um, and then when they called again, uh, I was, I was flattered until Mm -hmm. I realized that, you know, that was one of, you know, maybe a hundred calls they were making, right. Because, (laughs) you know, that it was, I was still kind of flattered, but then, you know, it was not as flattered as if they'd scoured the country and said, Bruce Cross, we got to have you. Um, so then they, they invite you down. For an audition, yeah. and I was still kind of—I hadn't watched the show. Oh, um, is that right? That. Okay. I found out that I was, you know, as I got more involved in the process, that I was sort of in a minority there because it's an extremely popular show. Yeah, and it is. As, as I came to learn, and by the way, I haven't watched it once since I stopped being wow. on the show. It just doesn't fit my my viewing patterns, right? Yes. Um, so I went down, I was still kind of, you know, a little ambivalent. And I think that ambivalence, you know, sort of manifested itself in that I'd, I'd forgotten what time the audition was, much like preparing <laughs> for this podcast. I showed up a year. Oh, is this the, is this the place I put my speak, my plug, my speaker in? <laughs> yeah, I love it. But I was very interested in doing this podcast. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, thank anyway, you. I showed up <laughs> down at the audition you know, with not really dressed appropriately because I'd been <laughs> off with something else. And I took it very casually. And I guess that that style, I, I mean, I, I'm not an actor. So I guess that style of just being yourself um, appealed to them. So when they called back and said, listen, we really want you to do this. And I said, I'm not sure. And they said, no, no, we really <laughs> do want you to do this. Then I felt a little bit of pride, right? Yeah, that, sure. You know what, hey, um, maybe it is, maybe I do have something to offer uh, versus some of the other candidates that they were thinking about. Sure. And uh, then I, you know, then I, and then I got a little bit excited because it was, you know, oh my goodness, I met with Arlene Dickinson and the first thing she told me is, you know, she told me her story about how much it had changed her life. Yes. Um, and you know, we we met in a public place to have a coffee and she's walking through and people, you know, people are yelling at her and, you know, God, <laughs> got a deal for you. And I said, that. And so it, it sort of got kind of exciting. Yes, right? Cause that's, yes. that's different. And then I started thinking, well, how could I really take advantage of this platform? You know, not only for business, which we did with round 13 and let tech entrepreneurs mm-hmm. across the country know that we were in the business of writing checks into technology companies, but <laughs> right. also some of the charity platforms that I was involved in, like Food Allergy Canada. Mm-hmm. And it was, it, it, it attracted a lot of attention uh, as I spoke on behalf of those charities. So I started to get excited, you know, about the potential of the platform. And, uh, and, and it really was something else. Like I've got to hand it to Sony who created that format. And then I have to give kudos to CBC who saw the advantage Mm. of that format and have done, I think a really good job 
of pulling that show together and promoting it. Yeah, and and uh, enhancing the dialogue around entrepreneurship uh, nationally. Mm-hmm. Right? And back to confidence, right? Mm-hmm. If you see some people that get up in front of us on national TV, you know, the courage it takes, mm-hmm. you know, which maybe was why I was, you know, tried to be fair and even handed uh, with the people that were on, no matter what the concept was. It takes a lot of courage to get up there and do that. <laughs> it sure does. You know? But then and then there was actual ideas that had legs that have turned out to be incredible success stories. So when you circle that story back to the population, yes. it tells somebody that, you know, like me, maybe who wasn't the best student. You know, you talk about uh, your 51. I would have taken a 51 yeah. and celebrated it, too. And I often did. Uh, <laughs> You know, that maybe there are other ways to get an education. Yes. Uh, there are many different ways. And and heck, you know, if I have my own idea, maybe being an entrepreneur and creating some value through my own efforts is a viable way to go. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. I love it. A very important message that show put out to the country. Yeah. And continues to do quite well. It as continues they continue. to do so. Yeah. Um, uh, one more question about the dragons, and uh, I want I wanted you to provide to our listeners what's one thing about the show that ninety nine point nine nine percent of us wouldn't know about it. Oh, okay. Well, the thing that the way that the show appears when you shake hands to make a deal, yes. it appears that that's a done deal, right? And in many times, you know, old school business was you shake, you've got a deal. Yeah, right. But, but the reality of the show is what you're shaking on is you're, you're saying, look, I'm interested and I agree to spend time doing diligence on your concept, right? Mm. So, mm. and then, you know, it varied a lot by Dragon, the odds on getting from a handshake to a deal. Like if you look at a guy like Jim Treliving, Jim says a lot, uh, yes to a lot of deals. He's a very kind of enthusiastic guy, sees opportunities everywhere. Yes. You know, a lot of entrepreneurs, he's a, he's a, a glass half full guy. So he says, yeah, he gets, and he gets excited about stuff. But then, you know, he puts his team on it, yeah. right? And he's got the biggest, uh, he's got the, the most resources of any of us. And he's, so his team goes through it with a fine tooth comb. And then, you know, the ones that actually get to the top, you know, aren't as high a percentage as say someone like David right. Chilton, right? Who did all his own diligence. Yes. And, got into everything and is an incredibly smart individual and ended up, I think, closing a fairly large percentage of the ones that he shook hands on. So that's what happens behind the scenes that, you know, the the average viewer, you know, assumes like, geez, if I had have closed every one I shook hands on, I'd either be broke or I'd 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 be frantic. I wouldn't have had the time to do this podcast. Right. So anyway, so that's, that's how, that's how the thing really goes down. Tell me about, because uh, you referenced it, uh, Food Allergy Canada. Tell us about that and uh, and uh, what's uh, what's your involvement? Yeah, thanks for that. Um, mm. So uh, basically what Food Allergy, it used to be called Anaphylaxis Canada. And anaphylaxis is, aside from being a hard word to wrap your mouth around, but basically <laughs> what it addresses is, you know, what happens when you ingest uh, food that you're allergic to. Mm-hmm. And it can get progressively worse as you go through your life. But essentially, if you're allergic to peanuts, which I think 4% of the uh, kid population is now, it's an astronomical number. Mm -hmm. 
basically the reaction to that can range anywhere from hives and itchiness to your full on uh, closing of your throat. So Mm. basically food that you're allergic to can kill you. So, you know, we are both uh, of my kids were born with life threatening food allergies. Um, and, uh, you know, when you first hear that, especially if, well, in, for anybody, it's big news. We were big food people and big third world travel people. And anyway, really, it really does impact how you go about your life. Everything, every time you eat, it becomes a bit of a minefield. So there's a lot of anxiety that comes from that. Mm. And obviously a lot of, uh, a lot of education, uh, on how to deal with it. And that's what food allergy Canada does. They're, they are an educator mm-hmm. and they are a, a lobbyist in terms of making sure that food labels are, are labeled correctly so that ingredients don't end up in food that you think are safe. You feed them to your kid and next thing you know, you're rushing down to a hospital. Mm. So food allergy sort of leads the charge in terms of education. Mm-hmm. They also support, uh, you know, other, other foundations that are more focused on trying to find a cure for it. Mm-hmm. But I, obviously that was something that was very close to home for yeah, me. Of course. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, and, sure. and it's one of those charities that, that, you know, every dollar that gets raised goes right to work. It's incredibly lean. They don't have any government support. So I said, you know what? Uh, I, I'm happy to be your spokesperson. Um, and I've done a number of events and, and we organize a golf uh, tournament every year where where we we uh, we raise eight hundred thousand dollars on average from each tournament, which is which basically covers their operating sure. expenses yeah. and then some. Mm-hmm. So. That, that's that's been my main focus charity wise. I recently just joined the board of a charity called Helping Hands Jamaica, okay. which uh, you know my, my mom's from the island, right. and what this charity does is it uh, it goes down and builds schools for kids that so they can at least get a shot yeah. at uh, at having a different type of life than you know than than what might may have been available without uh, schooling and books. So it's been, you know, I got to, you know, thank you for asking about, yeah, about absolutely. what else I'm involved in and, and offering me the chance to have your listeners hear that as well. Yeah, it's important stuff. And uh, congratulations on that journey. Yeah, I, you know, you, at 4%, that's absolutely incredible. I didn't realize it was that high with regards to the peanut allergy. It's prevalent. It's yeah, and increasingly so. So let's uh, let's circle a, back, a bit back to business. Um, um, you, it says in my script. <laughs> I always love to give the script writers, uh, you know, kudos. But then, then if it's wrong, I blame the script writers. So it says that you raised ninety five million dollars. You round capital thirteen ninety five million dollar funds for Canadian growth start, stage startups. What does that mean, Bruce? Well, basically, when I when I left Lava Life in mid two thousand and six, which was two and a half years after uh, the company was sold, mm-hmm. um, you know, I started to I took some time off, and then I started to look at the Canadian landscape and become a little more active in terms of investing my own capital into Canadian startups. And I continued that journey for a couple of years and then basically said, look, you know, the opportunity is bigger than just me uh, participating with, with, you know, X number of relatively small checks. Um, I think that we should pull a team together and go after this in a larger way. So basically when you put a fund together, what it means is it's your capital in our case, mm-hmm. 5% of them, of whatever we raised, we said we would write uh, ourselves, 
and you turn to uh, other uh, people that would would uh, like to include Canadian technology companies in their investment portfolio, and that can raise. I have to interrupt you. I'm going to sorry. I want to interrupt you for one question. Is it a regulatory? Um, is it regulatory mandatory? If that's a word, two words uh, that you have to when you're raising your own fund, put five oh, no, percent no. back no, in your most, own. Most most okay. funds either you know they they they're just they manage the fund with no cap, none of their own capital, or sometimes okay. get up to yeah. one or two percent. But we we just right. you know thought, look, you know we. Believe believe in it strongly um, sure, and yeah. wanted to kick it off. You know, one of the first questions a lot of my entrepreneurial friends asked me is, well, I mm. think it's such a great idea. I hope you are yep. you committing more than your time as well. And I said, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. We're, we're going to cool. be side okay. by side with you. And so yeah, right on. Like- the fund is made up of a lot of high net worth family offices uh, and mm-hmm. our, our, the one p- pension fund that agreed to support us is called uh, Leuna Pension Fund and it's the Construction Workers Union. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, they're, a, they're a, a pension fund that flies a little bit under the radar, but they've got you know billions of dollars in uh, pension money that they need to get a return on to, to make sure that sure. construction workers are, are able to retire correctly. And they were underexposed mm-hmm. in technology and they said, well, look, we like what we're doing, what you're doing. We'll participate. National Bank is a supporter of ours. But the rest of the Brilliant. fund is all entrepreneurs and high net worths. And we've taken a little bit of a different approach in that we attracted 15 technology entrepreneurs to participate as well. And we've, yes. we've incented them financially to help us hands-on mentor the companies that we've nice. chosen to invest in. So, yeah. so important All right, right? because we've got so much knowledge that's floating around and back to what you and I talked about mm-hmm. right off the top. We need everybody. This is a, this is an all hands on deck situation um, because mm. A, because the opportunity warrants it and B, because as I said earlier, if we don't have everyone going the same way, it's just, it's not going to work because we we're not big enough, right? We have to really right. get focused on, on what it is that we want to be good at. And and see, there's nothing wrong with putting a little incentive into the mentor piece of it no, either. Exactly. I think that that's brilliant no, in it. Yeah, there's a. I, I'm, I'm sure you've heard of the Founder Institute. We uh, interviewed Jonathan Grecian uh, recently, one of the founders, and the, his whole model is predicated: everybody wins who's part of the play. And uh, that's, right. that's what you've done with that. That's right. Yeah, brilliant. Exactly. So I, as we're as we're talking about uh, round uh, about Capital Thirteen, round Capital Thirteen, um, you know, I know my audience is going to go. Our audience, Startup Canada's audience, is going to go. Okay, <laughs> how do I ultimately start to introduce my idea? My, you know, what's what's the conditions you require for people to bring their their uh, their deal through Round Thirteen Capital? Sure. So when we looked at the Canadian landscape, we realized a couple of things. One, partly through the efforts of the government, and partly because angels are starting to get pretty well organized, uh, it is relatively easy to get a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, two hundred and fifty thousand dollar check to get your idea off the ground. Like we have more incubators per capita, yep. I think, than anywhere else in the valley. Ryerson DMZ, which I sit on the board of, has been recognized mm-hmm. globally mm-hmm. as one of the leaders in this space. We've got Mars, we've got Communitech. So there is a lot of early support. That is, you know, a highly risky stage for an investor. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Because a lot of those companies, despite their good intentions, don't make it. So it's a very risky stage to invest. But ironically, in Canada, when concepts start to get proven, when they get some traction, when they have some customers, the capital starts to dry up. It gets harder to find. And that links back to what I'd said earlier about institutions not having come back into the market Mm -hmm. since the last bubble. So that there has not been and it's starting to change, but there has not been enough capital in the next stage of financing. Right. So that's the that's the gap that we're trying to help fill. Right. And for that means for us, that means if you get your company to a stage where you can comfortably uh, take in three to five million dollars. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that means that it, it has to be it has to have customers. Mm-hmm. Those customers, they have to know where those customers come from and they need to be able to convince us that 80% of our check is going to go into getting a lot more of those customers, ideally through the same channels and along the same metrics that they've gotten the ones so far. So if you're still, you know, monkeying around with the technology to make sure it works or you're still in beta or you know, you haven't got uh, enough traction to be able to make a case to us that says, you know, how you would um, strategically spend, you know, a couple million bucks, then you're too early for us. Uh Right. But if you're on your way and uh, you, you, you are confident in your ability to scale and you've got some of the right people in place on your team to do so, then we're all ears. We want to help Canadian companies go from being small to medium size. And if we do enough of those, then occasionally you might get one that goes all the way, like uh, the recent example that Shopify has showed us where you can be a world beater. Right on. Um, thank you for that. And I know our, our audience would want to do this. So before I continue on, and, and uh, we're uh, unbelievable. I can't believe how long we've been talking. It's great stuff and very insightful. How, how do people get a, get a hold of uh, of you guys to round13capital.com? Uh, Round13capital.com. There's an area on the website where you can submit your idea. Uh, let 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 me know that you heard it on uh, Rivers Corbett's startup podcast. We'll pay extra ah, special beautiful. attention. I got two more questions for you. Then we're going to let you get on with your day. The first one is is that uh, as part of your your you know where people are in the space when they come to you. I was talking, and what I'm interested in, how would you have responded to this entrepreneur with this issue that he was bringing me? He said, you know, I'm, he's got a technology, you know, it's a proprietary, it's a, it's, it's, it's really looking like a winner and he's trying to determine what route should he go or maybe a combination of both. Uh, does he just dive in and driving the value of the asset um, or does he just drive in and drive, you know, customer customer acquisition or does he do a bit of both uh, going forward? And his answer, his answer in his head was, I'm going to do a bit of both because some of these investors I'm talking to, they're saying, I don't give a crap about the customer. And I'm thinking, well, if you don't have a customer, you don't have a business for God's well, sake. What kind of investors I'm are with you? I mean, there are, there are investors that will look at technology and say, wow, that is a breakthrough piece of technology. I'm going to, I'm going to back that technology and then, you know, hopefully we'll go be able to turn it into getting customers. I don't operate that way. Um, 
Mm-hmm. I may have been tempted to do so 15 years ago when the technology right. was expensive, mm. it was complicated, and in and of itself, it acted, it had the potential to act as a barrier to entry because people could, you know, it was tough to figure out what was going on. What has changed dramatically in the last 15 years is that the complexity and the cost has gone out of most technologies. So using Lava Life as an example, and maybe at the risk of exaggerating a little bit, if you gave me a couple of smart programmers and one fiftieth of the cost that it cost me to mm-hmm. build Lava Life in the mid nineties, I could knock I yes. could knock that system off today. Yeah, so to me, it's not mm-hmm. about the technology anymore. It really isn't. In the rare case, you might be able to build a barrier on technology, but generally speaking, yeah. people can figure out what's going on pretty quick these days. And you know, our engineers are these kids are so smart that they'll have that hack yeah. part and duplicated, and there goes your advantage, right? So. So to me, it really is about sales and marketing and speed being the new barrier to entry. So, yes, I am all about turning whatever you think you have into proof. And the only way to prove the only proof there is, is whether or not somebody else other than your friends and family are saying you've got something. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And willing to pay for it. And willing to pay for it. Exactly. Exactly. Bruce, um, uh, I want to end with uh, your journey with the disruptors. Um, and this gets back to in the, what a question I want to ask specifically around that is, is, is entrepreneurship in general related to the disruptors? What's the, what's the, the common lesson, if I could even say that, a common lesson uh, that, that is coming out of the disruptors uh, teachings, whatever, to, that is good for our audience coast to coast to coast? Well, you know, thanks. The, the, Disruptors is a show on BNN and, and CTV just recently picked it up to run on the weekends as well. We, we go live on mm. Thursday nights and the first part of the show is, is talking about, you know, what's going on in the world of tech, like what's made the news this week. And that can be global. The second 10 mm-hmm. minutes is really allowing two Canadian seed stage startups to have an audience. They'll, they do a pre-recorded pitch and then we come back and talk about it. Uh, usually me from an investor standpoint and whether the thing has, has some potential. And then the, the last 10 minutes are a more in-depth CEO interview of the Canadian, of a Canadian, of a leading Canadian tech company. So we try and put the spotlight as much as we can on Canadian technology. And to right. me, why I do the show and why I get excited going in there every week is because there is an incredible amount of Canadian technology startup and growth stage stories that uh, uh, make for uh, interesting, compelling business cases and, you know, feeds into what we've talked about for the last half an hour to say, look, you know, Canada is an incredible place to start a business. We can hold our own with anyone in the world and mm-hmm. we're well on our way to proving that every day. So to me, the Disruptor yeah. show tries to highlight uh, and, and give an audience to those people that may not have had one or some of them that had lots of coverage and that we deserve to crow about a little bit more. So it's an incredible time that we're in. Um, a lot of the established industries uh, are under siege because through, through scrappy alternative ways to get things done. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the right day, on. 
it's an incredible time to be a consumer because, you know, costs are coming out of the system at an incre- crazy rate and there's no excuse for overpaying for anything. So that just means you got a little lazy. You didn't click one more time to find a better deal. There's all kinds <laughs> of innovation around. So it's just, it's just a, a, a great time to be talking about it because everywhere you look, uh, established players are getting disrupted. I am, um, you know, it's it's interesting you talk about every week you go in and do it. It's, it is one of the greatest joys I have is doing this podcast show and, and talking to the amazing entrepreneurs across our country. But then sometimes we skip into over the over the pond and, and down in the States and so on. But it really is very enlightening, very encouraging to hear your stories. And, and you were one of them, my friend. And I started with Canadian Icon. And I think our audience would definitely be nodding their heads as I close with that. Keep doing your Canadian Icon stuff because whether you want it or not it's yours and you deserve it and uh, thank you so much Bruce for for taking your time today and uh, being on the Startup Canada podcast yeah, show. I'm very very uh, thankful that you had me on and keep doing what you're doing too because uh, we're all in the same boat. Let's just keep let's just keep moving it forward. Right on sir. Cheers. Have a good day. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Want access to resources and support to grow your business? Visit startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Till next week, I'm Rivers Corbett leaving you with a sneak peek of next week's episode. This is Kate Taylor, Director of Projects at Aki Energy, and you're listening to the Startup Canada podcast. Here's a question for you. You know, I'm, I'm hearing a lot about the uh, about the closing of the, d- the divide between indigenous uh, communities and not indigenous communities. Are you are you seeing that more and more these days beyond your uh, your journey with Aki? Yes and no. I think that we are starting to have really important conversations as a country about reconciliation and what that looks like. I think we're starting to see some really important progress being made, but we have a long way to go. Mm. Uh, As an example, the Premier of Manitoba recently went on a bike ride for reconciliation, uh, Premier Pallister, and he forgot to contact any Indigenous communities at all. Oh, come on. Yeah. That's incredible. That's the kind of thing we still see happening across Canada. I think that we... Canadians are still learning what reconciliation means. Uh, We're still learning how to incorporate that into business practice. We're still learning how to incorporate that into our lives. I'm non-Indigenous myself. I work for an Indigenous company. Um, Mm -hmm. I think we all have a lot of learning to do around that. So I I think we're in progress. I think there's a lot of really positive things happening. I think we have a long way to go.